0: I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, hi, my name is Wayne. Oh, there it is. I'm glad I saw that. Uh, I serve as an elder here at, uh, at Grace, and uh, Kenny, my wife, and I love being a member of this church and this family. You guys are great. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, you, know, I, I, uh, you can find more information about Grace on our website at gbcelm.org and as all, also on all the social media platforms at GBC Elm. That's GBC Elm. And, um, you know, Grace Grace offers a lot of uh, growth groups uh, for adults of all ages and all stages, and we'd like you to actually go online and check out some of our GGs and register for them to become part of uh, our smaller families. Everyone is welcome to attend our upcoming annual business. We're gonna have so much fun. (laughs) You don't believe that, do you? All right, well. Yeah, actually, we have a lot to be thankful for. So uh, the the business meeting will be uh, after the service on Sunday, April 24th. That's the week after Easter at 1145. Today is Palm Sunday. And scholars think, taking into effect uh, Daniel's prophecy, adjusting for Gregorian and Hebrew calendars, that on March 24th, 33 AD, Jesus rode through the gates of Jerusalem and was sung to by the children and the people, Hosanna in the highest. What he knew that they didn't was that in a week, those Hosannas would turn in to kill him. And he would go and die. But as uh, I think it was Tony Campolo's pastor was wanting to give this great sermon, it was Friday. But Sunday's coming. (laughs) Next Sunday, Easter, we celebrate resurrection. We celebrate the victory. We have services at 7, 9, and 11. And for the kids, under fourth grade and younger, we have an Easter egg hunt. Yay, we have a cheerer over here already. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's good stuff. You know, we have a lot to pray about. You know, I actually I'm having a lot of fun up here, but my heart's heavy with everything that's going on. And I know that you know you probably see stuff in the news, and, and um, there's stuff in your families, and you know, just, we carry a, lot, a load. And it, I just let's just pray, you know, Jesus said, you know, if you're heavy laden come, take my burden on you, you know, let me carry it for you. So let's just go to prayer right now, would you join me? Heavenly Father, we love you. You are our provider, our protector, our rock on which we want to build our lives. You sustain us when we're tired. You encourage us when we're struggling. You heal us when we're sick. You walk alongside us when we feel so alone. You find us and guide us when we lose our way. You give us good gifts that we seldom deserve. Your loving kindness and compassion, they comfort us when our souls are wounded. We want to thank you so much for that. Heavenly Father, There are some wants that we have. Our communities need the light of your healing and wisdom. You know, Lord, you see it. Violence roams our streets. Moms, dads, brothers, sisters, kids are being killed, Lord. Please, we need your fresh breath. We need the blood of the cross to come and, and soothe the the pain and the sin that's, that's in our community, Lord God. We pray for protection for little ones, for everyone, Lord. Lord, we, we want even the most vulnerable among us to be safe. Please heal us. Heavenly Abba, not only do our communities need you, our nation needs the light of your healing and wisdom. We have political partisanship and vitriol and half-truths constantly being told us. We need to have them replaced with a sense of common good and civility and and honesty. Please, please, Father, heal us. Heavenly Father, our world needs the light of your healing and wisdom as war and evil atrocities are reared its ugly head again in the Ukraine, Lord. Please, use your power to stop the killing. Please, we pray for your light and your healing. And Heavenly Father, the the light of your healing and your wisdom is Jesus. We all need him. We all need the the blood of his loving sacrifice to wash clean our brokenness that's in our hearts. We all need his wisdom to make good choices, to choose to overcome evil with good. We need his heart to show us how to love the way he does from the first heartbeat to the last and forever. Lord, we, we ask you too to, Please bless this service with your special presence. Please uh, bless the young women of Spirito as they come and, and help us worship. Please bless Adam as he feeds us with your word. Please transform us. Make us something new even today. We pray this to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Our scripture reading today is Mark 11, 1 to 11, if you want to turn there with me. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it Here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this, say, the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, why are you doing, what are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Spirito Singers. That was, um, that was particularly moving for me. You know, in uh, the book of Psalms, often we will read a psalm where the psalmist will cry out to God and say, Lord, I feel alone. Lord, I feel that you're not there. This world is hard, and things are not good right now. Those are lev- people are levied against me. I'm being accused, and I feel all alone. Where are you? And somewhere in the course of the psalm, it seems that a switch goes off or a light bulb goes off in the mind of the psalmist where they begin to see things from god's point of view and those two songs that you sang really set up that juxtaposition well the first one of what it's like to live here on earth and feel alone to strive for something better to slog through everyday life the ups and downs and the second song to remind us that i am important i am loved i'm not alone in fact I was made specifically for God and for this place. So wonderful. You guys are great. And I really like the song selection. So I'm going to tell you a story about a person I know named Elaine. And, <laughs> and to keep it somewhat anonymous, we'll call her last name Waters. <laughs> Elaine grew up here in Elmhurst, and she thought uh going through high school and middle school that her life would be just like everybody else's every young girl's life that she would go on graduate high school that she would go on to some further training she's a hairdresser she knew from a long time in fact we have a picture of her from when she was like a year old in a high chair with a brush and a comb in her hand you know it's like it's like she's known all along don't look at me you're gonna make me cry (laughs) and as she got into her 20s she started working she was hoping to meet her guy and she would date here and there and she would new guys would come along and she would go on dates but nothing ever stuck nothing ever felt right and as the years went on she continued to cry out to God and say where's my guy in fact it turned out to be uh, after time that as Lane was leaving for work and mom was doing don't cry as mom was doing dishes on the way out they would say pray for hubby and every day was sort of punctuated by that prayer. Pray for hubby. And those of you who know, they prayed for a long time. Lane didn't get married until she was 44. 44. She wanted to be faithful to the Lord and what God had asked her to do. She wanted to marry the right man. She wanted to make sure what, that she, what she was getting herself into. As she waited... She heard stories of all her friends who had rushed right in and married the first guy or the first couple of guys or whatever, and they realized that there were problems. Things that were often little issues at the beginning turned out to be glaring issues at the end. And so on one hand, she's warned about not picking the wrong one. And on the other, she's wanting so badly to have a husband and to be a wife. You know, we've all had these moments in our lives when the deliverance, Lord, where are you? When is it going to be my turn? have been delayed. They've not come when we hoped that they would. In fact, it would seem like it would never come. Maybe you're in the grips of that right now. You're struggling maybe with an illness or you're struggling with a difficult person in your life. Or you or someone you know is struggling with an addiction and it feels like no matter how much you cry out to God and say, Lord, take this away from me, it just happens again and again. Or this troubling circumstance just proves to stick around longer than what you had ever hoped or prayed for. What do we do in these situations? On the one hand, we could grow impatient and say, well, maybe my deliverance is never coming. Maybe God will never answer my prayer. Maybe I'll always be stuck in this position. And so we grow impatient and we look to other places. We find ways that we can satisfy ourselves, even if it's not God's perfect way, but it's some way. At least it's something. Or worse, maybe we doubt And we say, well, God doesn't really love me, or God's not really good because this thing that He knows that I want so badly has not been brought. So maybe God isn't who God says He is. And we begin to doubt. Well, I want you to know today that deliverance delayed does not mean deliverance denied. Let me say that again. Deliverance delayed does not mean deliverance denied. Just because what we ask for, what we pray for, what we hope for does not come when we hope that it would, it rarely comes soon enough, does it? It does not mean that God has not heard your prayers or that the request for deliverance, the prayer for deliverance has been denied. You might say, well, what does this have to do with the triumphal entry? And so we're going to talk about that. This is in Mark 11, so if you have your Bibles, please feel free to open them up. Um, We're going to go through, I'm going to make some comments, and then I want to point a really, hopefully, a big thing out to you that we can learn uh, this morning. So let's look. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, Bethphage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. This is just across a valley on the east side of the city of Jerusalem full of olive groves. It still has olive groves today. It's actually also a place where they've had a Jewish burial ground for like 3,000 years, okay? Just outside of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus sent ahead two of his disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there. So a a young horse still uh, with its mother, which no one has ever ridden. So this thing is not, you know, it's like you've seen maybe videos of breaking horses. It can be a rough process. This is a colt that's fresh out the box. No one's ever ridden on this colt before. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord needs it and he'll send it back here shortly. This account, this little beginning here is a lot like the upper room we read about and we learned about the Last Supper where Jesus says, go on ahead, make preparations for the Passover. You'll find a place all prepared, all set for our gathering of what? We said maybe it was even up to 100 people. It'll all be ready. The implication when you read it is that Jesus knew what was going to happen, that Jesus had somehow miraculously created the circumstances and had superintended the things of that day to make this moment possible this moment possible. Verse four, it says, So they went and they found a colt outside in the street, tied to a doorway. And as they untied it, sure enough, just as Jesus predicted it would happen, some people standing there asked, said, what are you doing? Why are you untying that colt? And they answered, just as Jesus told them to do. If the Lord needs it. He'll bring it back when he's done. And they let him take it. See, again, it happened just as Jesus said it would happen. He's preparing for this moment. He's superintending the events for this very day, as we shall see as he enters the city of Jerusalem. Verse 7, When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it. So their outward garment. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. This is an interesting verse to me. As I was going through and I was thinking about the moments leading up and the preparation that it took to get to this, the people here laying branches on the ground had to have had an idea in some way that someone was coming. Where did they get the branches and why do they have them in the city? I mean, do we just walk around with palm fronds from day to day? Oh, something big is going to happen. I better be prepared. No, they knew. They knew. And it says, they laid them on the ground. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Now we say this word, we sang this word, but what does this word mean? Hosanna here is actually Aramaic. This is the language of Jesus. If you watch... you know, Passion of the Christ, what they're translating, they're hoping to translate, is ancient Aramaic, the actual words of Jesus. So Hosanna here is an Aramaic word, but it comes from the Hebrew. It means save us, please. Actually, the na at the end, Hosanna, is, is a polite way of requesting something. Save us, please. Deliver us, please. Over time, it became a cry to God to save us, but uh, or in the beginning, that's how it began. It, it became into sort of like... Um, I don't know sort of how we would just say oh praise God it doesn't quite carry the same meaning now but it still has its roots in a request it appears here in the Psalms as well in fact it's something of a prophetic utterance in the Psalm 118 this is where the psalmist is actually looking ahead to the day that the coming Messiah the king of Israel would return to Jerusalem this is what it says save us we pray O Lord O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In another gospel, when they walk into the city, these are the words of the people. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. This word festal has something to do with an animal that's been sacrificed in the king in the temple. This was part of the way the Jews worshiped the Lord. There was an idea that the sin of a person had to be placed on an innocent thing. In this instance, it was an animal. That animal was then sacrificed as a judgment upon the sin of the individual imputing their sin upon them. And here comes Jesus entering the city. As a king, seated on a colt, covered in cloaks, stepping over palm fronds that had been cut. And he's being framed. The words being used are to remind the people that a sacrifice is coming. A sacrifice is coming. This is something of his coming into the city like this is a prophecy, a fulfillment of a prophecy. In the book of Zechariah, written four or five hundred years prior to Jesus entering the city on this day, this is what he says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, even on the foal of a donkey." You see, Jesus is coming into the city at this time is not some sort of happenstance occurrence. This is something that has been promised for hundreds of years that one day, a deliverer, a Messiah, one who was anointed and chosen by God would enter the city gates and rescue the people. In Luke's gospel, the Pharisees and the leaders there tell Jesus to tell everyone to stop shouting. Don't say this because they have Zechariah in their mind. They see what's happening, something's aligning of a prophecy. They're like, why does this look familiar? It's because it was predicted that God would enter through that the Messiah would enter through the eastern gate of Jerusalem and through that gate would come and deliver Israel. And it was called hundreds of years beforehand. So there's no question about the optics here. The leaders in Israel knew exactly what was happening. Jesus coming in on this donkey was the fulfillment of a messianic prophecy that the king would come to Israel. Verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. So, now it's a further fulfillment. All of this excitement. Can you imagine? Kids are shouting. Palm fronds are waving. we got cloaks on the donkey. There's hundreds, perhaps thousands of people shouting for Jesus to come in and be king, to be the promised messiah. And it says he looked it around at everything, but since it was already late, he went to Bethany. He went home. In this story, we see this climax building. The king is coming. The king is coming. He's here. He's entered into the city. They're shouting, Hosanna, save us, Lord, save us, Lord. He enters the temple where he's about to sit on his throne as the king of Israel. And he goes home instead. And he goes home. What does this tell us? What does this tell us? Could you go back one slide, please? Let's see. This scene of, thank you, this scene of excitement and anticipation is climaxed with Jesus just showing up late and going on. I mean, could you imagine the commotion, the excitement of this, and then nothing happens? Maybe this has happened to you in your life. It feels like the momentum of your life is going towards a specific goal. Something you've prayed for. Something you've hoped for. And it seems to be almost taking on a life of its own and you almost take your hands off and you're just watching it happen before you. In excitement and anticipation, you see things happening. You're rejoicing, God, you're delivering me. You're hearing my prayer. That which I asked for is coming to fruition. And then just when you think it's going to happen, it seems like Jesus goes home. What do you do in those moments? What do you do when you pray for an intervention and you don't know what to do better yet? How do you think about these things? How is it that you sort of frame them? Well, understanding that your deliverance delayed does not mean deliverance denied. There are several things that we need to talk about today. First is your deliverance might be delayed because the timing is not yet right. The timing of Jesus' deliverance was a little off here. See, The Gentiles, those people who are not Jews, were not yet in the kingdom of God. If he had sat on his throne at that moment, if he would have assumed what he promised he would assume, all of us would not be sitting here today. All of us would not be sitting here today. This can be a situation that we find ourselves in, can't it? we ask for something, but it's just not the right time. Think about Elaine and some of the guys that she dated as she was you know, through her 20s and her 30s. We laugh about them now because like, we talk about them and look back and it was like, We say well god wasn't done making me first god was still working on me so from her perspective it was like where are you why are you not answering everyone else has got their guy and god knew in his wisdom that no the timing's not yet right because your guy is in the process of learning some really tough lessons your guy is becoming the guy that you really want, the one you've prayed for, the deliverance, the salvation that you've asked for. Lord, save me from this situation and bring me this man that I've prayed for. I try to be. She says I am all the time, but I don't know. God's working circumstances together in your life. When things don't happen the way that you hoped or as quickly as you hoped, you can trust that. That God's making things, that God's making moves behind the scenes. He's not forgotten you. We can't understand those. We just simply have to trust in his word, though, don't we? Because we don't know what's going on. We don't have the mind of God. Romans 8.28 says, For we know that God works all things for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. When you're a child of God, God moves things. What seem like mistakes here, what seem like delays here, what seem like problems here, are really just him moving things and making them work out. Many times I thought in my life all was lost. We read through the Bible again and again. We read illustrations all the time. We thought everything was lost. Shipwrecks happening, people being deserted, people being led before governors who were surely going to put them to death. We thought everything was lost. And yet God came through and he came better than how we thought. I've learned in my life that God is rarely what we call on time but he's on time in his time. In the Old Testament, there's a little book called Habakkuk. And in that book, the prophet is calling out to God and saying, look at the state of the nation. Sinners are getting what they want. Those who are righteous are not getting what they want. It seems like everything is lost. It seems like the city and the country is gone, and you're nowhere to be found, Lord. Where are you? And this is what God says to him. The Lord says, I want you to write down the revelation that I'm about to give you. I want you to make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, so that it can be brought out to everybody to see. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. The fulfillment of what's, what we're going to tell you is for later on. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. What he's saying is, is though it feels like it's delayed from our perspective, it's right on time in God's perspective. In the New Testament, there's a verse that says um, something like, so call upon uh, the Lord where he's full of grace and he gives you that grace just in the nick of time. There's something about God's ability to fulfill our needs when they are supposed to be fulfilled, not necessarily when we want them. Because we often want them in a way that is... Too soon. I mean, it can feel slow. We're constantly thinking about our need, you know. Where are you, Lord? Where are you, Lord? What is it that I do? Instead of remaining steadfastly fixed on Christ. So, what do we do? How do we wait? Well, first, we just wait. We just be patient. That's just a hard lesson. That's really just a lesson of growing older, learning to trust the Lord, knowing that things are going to work out, and just not looking at yourself, looking at the Lord, being patient. But man, can it feel like a long time? In those moments, we have to cry out to God and say, Lord, give me the strength to wait. Help me to be patient. Move me to keep my eyes fixed upon you and your truth instead of my situation and my need. Trust that because God is good and that he superintends all of the background events in your life, that, he's, that there's a good reason for the delay. That there's a good reason, God is moving things around and keep focusing on Christ. Don't take your eyes off of him. The more we focused on Christ, the more we focus on God and what he's doing, the less we focus on us and what we are not doing or what we don't have or what we need. We end up obsessing about our painful circumstances and it just feels worse. It just feels worse. I told this story a couple of weeks ago about working out in the military. It's like I had to just train myself to like, like the pain. Because if I thought about how bad this hurts the whole way, it was going to be a long five miles. Long five miles. The timing might be off. But also sometimes our deliverance is delayed because God is really being merciful. God is being merciful. Like I said, if Jesus had ushered in his kingdom on that day, if Jesus would have sat on his throne and made everything new, we would not be here today. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That's, he saw everyone who would be in the kingdom of God, and he saw those people, and he said, I'm going to die for those people. That's you here today, if you trust Christ as your Savior. You are his child, That his love is upon you in a special way. He saw you from the beginning of the creation of the world, and he's had his eye upon you, and he loves you. He loves you, so he waited he waited. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God has a desire for you to be saved. God has a desire for you to come to him in trust and in faith. Sometimes we ask for deliverance over something uh, that to bring it about would be unmerciful. Um, there's a song I admit I listened to country music for a while I don't like to go back to I said I got that the Lord brought me through some tough things right um, <laughs> I'm just kidding I do like country music um, there's a song by Garth Brooks called unanswered prayers some of you older people might remember it from the 90s I think he's a he's at a football game with his wife and they bump into the girl that he used to love And he remembers how he prayed to the Lord, Lord, give me this woman. I want this woman. I want to be hers. I want to love her forever. And you know, you think about how great it's going to be and there's nothing wrong with them and there's never going to be problems in your life. And God said no. And that painful experience of breaking up was still sort of tender in his heart. Then he looked at his wife who was with him and he realized that that God's no to him That unanswered prayer, that refusal to deliver in that way at that time was fulfilled in something better. The wife, who now he could never think about living without. The one that he knew was the one he really wanted. Had he known all of the input, had he known that this woman existed, he would have gladly let go of that one. Because sometimes God does not answer our calls for deliverance the way we want because he's being merciful. Maybe you've been in a situation like this. I mean, consider your life today. What do you have now? The things you love, the things you value. Now think back 20 years ago. Are they the same things? It's interesting about life, how it changes us. About how experience makes us view things differently. How experience moves us to value things differently we're sort of fickle. The things we wanted in the past are not the things that we want now. And if God delivered and given what we asked for then, we surely would not have the things we want better now. Sometimes our sin can blind us to the truth. Our desire to want what we want and want it right now makes us not see that God is doing something for our good. Our inexperience feeds into this and we think we know better than God or anybody else. So we say, why shouldn't God give me this? Why shouldn't God answer my prayer and deliver me from this? Yet yeah, we trust the Lord. God's mercy can hurt sometimes because this is a hard truth. It's focused on our good and not our comfort. God's mercy is focused on our good and not our comfort. There's a strong distinction between the way that we understand how to live life and how to address the problems of life from God's word and from a Christian perspective, the way that we seek to find relief from the pain than there is from the world. When you go to the world, the final outcome is, are you still feeling bad? Yes. Then there's something we need to address. But God's word doesn't want us to simply look at our comfort. God's word wants us to look at what is best for us? When I was a, um, young, I think I was probably four years old, maybe three, there was some concern that I had some sort of chronic illness. And so I had spent a few days in the hospital. Now, looking back on it, you know, 40 years later, it seemed like they wanted to draw my blood every five minutes. It seemed like no sooner did I get over the last traumatic blood draw, the next one came. I could hear the little tray clinking with all of the bottles. And it was like, and several times I heard them coming before they got to my room and I locked myself in the bathroom. I remember it distinctly. I, my mom's like, come on, I'm not coming out. You're drawing my blood. They're trying to coax me and I'm terrified, you know. We live life like this. We laughed that I was three or four, but this is like how we do things now. This is part of what it means to be a human being, struggling with not seeing the future, having fear of what's going to happen, being unwilling to trust our God. We hear something happening, we don't want it, so we lock ourselves in the room. We do something else, we try to get away, we short-circuit it because of the pain that it is surely to bring. That God's mercy is focused on our good, not our comfort. Sometimes we ask for deliverance for the wrong reason. That's our third point. We ask with the wrong heart. Our deliverance is delayed because we're asking for the wrong reason. For instance, we might ask for deliverance in one area when really it's another area that we need help in. I have a friend, we'll call her Ashley. She's struggled with drug addiction for most of her, from teenage life all the way up. She's struggled. She's prayed. She's prayed. She's a believer, Lord, why do I want this? After all of the good that you've given me, after all of the bad you've removed from my life, after all of the progress, I seem to keep falling into this pattern again and again. For those of you like me who have struggled with addiction, we know that once the first one happens, who knows how long it's going to take until we get that moment of clarity again. And so she would go off on these runs. She would go off on these long binges then she'd come back, she'd repent, she'd think she'd truly repent and ask, Lord, take this from me, take it. She'd have a little bit of time, she'd fall right back in. So most of her life she's been asking the Lord, please take this from me, I don't want this. And it wasn't until recently that she had been doing some sort of deep soul work, she'd asked the Lord to reveal some things in her heart were some circumstances and what she realized was it wasn't the addiction that she needed to be praying for deliverance. It was in traumas that she had when she was a very young girl, that she had not considered. Things that she father scabbed over, I don't have to deal with them. Or the things that I don't have to address now, I'm, after all I'm so much older I shouldn't have to. Yet it was when her and her mental health professional, when her and her pastor started going through some of these things and trying to give them new meaning, trying to understand what was happening, she realized that her desire to use had been lifted. She no longer was turning to other things in her life, drugs, alcohol, men, whatever. She prayed for deliverance in one area, and she in her mind was sure that God was not answering it, that God was not going to bring her deliverance. Yet he chose to do it in a different way. He moved her in these circumstances in her life to see what her real need was. And so in answering that call for deliverance, it looked different. It looked different. So when Jesus enters the city on this day, everyone's shouting, the king has come, the king has come. But what Jesus knew that they did not, as Wayne had pointed out, that his mission was to die on the cross first. Israel shouted for a king, save us from the invaders. Save us from all of the shame that we have lived as an occupied country. And Jesus knew their real need was uh, was to be delivered from the oppressor of sin, the oppression of sin. It was sin that had to be dealt with, not this necessarily earthly situation. We can ask for deliverance also from the consequences of sin instead of from the actual sin that, del- that created the consequences. That makes sense? We're going to talk about this in, uh, in our next series in Gideon. We're going to see in the book of Judges that they often cried out to God and asked for relief from consequences when God wanted them to deal with sin. In my own life, I've As I said, I've struggled with addiction on my own, and there's lots of consequences that come from addicts. i don't got to tell you, we see it on the news all the time. We all have family members or friends who choose to do something instead of what they should be doing, and it creates all of this havoc in their life. Often those havoc times come about as a crisis, and we cry out to God, Lord, save me from this. I don't have money to pay my mortgage. I'm speaking from experience. I don't have money to pay my rent. The electricity is about to get turned off. I have no food. I have no gas. What is it? Lord, save me. I remember praying those prayers and looking back and seeing doors being opened for me to meet people who had already been on the road to recovery. God was meeting my need where I needed it instead of where I thought I needed it. Sometimes we have to trust God in that and we have to be discerning and ask, what is it that you really want? We need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, You see the situation, do whatever it is you need to do. Because sometimes it's us that need to be changed, not our circumstances. The deliverance we really want might be delayed because we have not had sufficient pain from the situation that we've put ourselves in. And it's only in that pain that we become willing and we begin to move to the Lord. This does not mean that our deliverance is denied. But God wants to save us eternally Wants us to address our sin before he wants to address the effects of it in our lives. I mean, how do we seek deliverance with the right attitude then? How do we short-circuit all of the sort of wandering? Like, am (laughs) am I asking for the right thing? Well, first is we have to come to a conclusion that we sometimes, maybe most of the time, do not. And so when we come to the Lord, we consider God's perspective. Lord, what is it that you want out of this situation? I don't want these consequences. I don't want this crisis. But what is it that you want out of it? Because there may be a lesson there. You ask God to give you clarity on what's really important in this. What's really important. We might look to him for the grace to want what he wants. Lane had talked about that a lot as she was in her singlehood. She would pray and she would say, Lord, I want what you want, but I don't want this. And it took time. I think it was especially hard when she saw people around her getting paired up and getting married. And as she waited for God's deliverance, she saw all of this happening. When's my turn? Now, for those of you who know Lane, she has a perspective on how to wait like nobody I've ever met. She sees things I miss. In fact I go through her sermon she goes through my sermon sometime I talked to her about this one she goes oh you want to change this word because of this and she was absolutely right it was spoken from experience it was spoken from a perspective that was much more aligned to God's and that's what crisis in our life can do that's what waiting on God's deliverance well does it teaches us how to look at things from his perspective we look at it from God's wisdom and not our own could I have the next slide please Oh, it's the conclusion. We're done. We're trying to figure out how to use these new screens up here. I'm trying to break away from the table. This is like my safety net right here. This is like... I'm trying to learn how to use these so I can have more movement. I can be more engaging to them over there. It's part of the fruits of what you guys have so generously donated to us in order to upgrade our AV stuff. When we get there, it's going to be great. So, kinks. I appreciate it. So the end of the story, we know Lane's story. Her salvation appeared. (laughs) I actually met her in the annex right over there. And then I saw her circling the blood in the water for the next several weeks as she would walk through places just to bump into me. She waited all those years. She went to other churches hoping that she'd find her guy there. One day, the Lord told her, no, I think you need to go back to GBC. It's where she grew up. So she decided to come back, much smaller church. She knew everybody, and none of them were single. She said, I don't know what it is that you're doing. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm just going to trust you that this is my home, and this is where I should be. And then some recovering drug addict felon walked into the annex, and she thought, could this be the one? Fortunately, I got to cut up here and give my testimony before I ever asked her out, before we ever started. So she got to hear everything because how do you breach that in a date? You know, hey, there's some things I'd love to tell you about. Um, I don't know where you're at, but I do know that you're going to be someplace in your life asking for the Lord to change something, to deliver you from something. And it's not going to come at the pace that you want. It's going to seem like God hasn't heard your prayer. It's going to seem like he's not listening and he doesn't want the same things you do. But know this. Sometimes when your deliverance is delayed, it's because the timing's not right. That God's really being merciful in what it is that he wants to give you. Or you're seeking deliverance for the wrong reason and he's waiting to change your desires so that they align with him. Let's pray. Father, it's so hard to wait. Not only, Lord, is it hard to wait, it's hard to wait when we don't see any inclination, or any signs that you're going to answer or that you're going to deliver. Lord, it seems like sometimes you've shown up big and you have brought salvation and deliverance and it seems like everything's going a certain way and then nothing happens. Sometimes, Lord, it seems like you're just on another call. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the patience to wait on you well. Give us the eyes to see our situation from your perspective. And Lord, ultimately give us trust. Trust in your goodness that you might be waiting because you're being merciful to us. We thank you, Lord, so much for the times that you've saved us from ourselves where we've wanted something that would have been bad for us. Help us live in that knowledge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen